Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHeads.com. Welcome to the seventh season of the Hockey Hurts Podcast. Seven years. And uh, this is probably the strangest one uh, of any of the seasons. And we started with the lockout one. So this is... um, COVID, man. <laughs> so, Penguins haven't played since August. I, I, I know you've noticed we, we haven't really had a podcast since August. But the Penguins are back in action. They've played one game. They're only playing in one division. And um, the season's only 56 games. So, uh, it's really a unique season. I think it can be a potentially really fun season, not only for... Uh, the Penguins with all the rivalries in the division, but just in the NHL overall, just the unique uniqueness of the year should should bring some cool storylines. And um, our focus today is going to be on the on the Penguins, and we're going to go through the lineup, what we think for the year, what are the realistic expectations for the roster, and maybe potentially what are some things they could do to to make it better. So. Um, how, how are you, Cam? Uh, good, uh, alive, not contagious, um, and very happy that hockey is back because it can distract from the crumbling of civilization. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard, the United States has got some headlines going on right now. Uh, I was uh, pinned to the TV the other day, watching, literally watching the... Uh, the Georgia results come in. I oh. spent the whole day on the Saturday watching that happen. <laughs> and that's and just one headline. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. We won't we won't go too far into the others, or this podcast will take a right hand turn very quickly, or maybe a left hand. Oh, either way, it will get off hockey very quickly. So, but but, uh, but to your point, the hockey being a, a thing, a distraction is has been nice because without that you're left to the other and the other has been uh, a gong show to say the least. So, um, yeah. So the Penguins have played a game. They, um, they lost six, three. I think the score was a little bit uh, less indicative of how close the game was. uh, As far as uh, what I saw, don't get me wrong. There were certainly mistakes and, and some, some bad ones at that. But the Penguins out-attempted the Flyers through two periods, and that was before they gave up. Uh, the Penguins gave up the three goals in seven minutes that uh, took them out of the game. So it's not like they weren't competitive, but you could see um, how things could fall apart pretty easily uh, with maybe some of the turnovers and choice choices made by the defensemen, certain defensemen. You saw Tristan Jari... Uh, doing a Marc Andre Fleury 2010 to 2013 playoff impression in Philadelphia. I saw your tweet when you did that. I've gone. That's just a stab in the heart. He he had a 760 save percentage. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I saw the numbers. It was just like, oh, you bastard. <laughs> so that's how the season started, and um, we are recording before the second game of the season on Friday afternoon. So we do not know what is going to happen. So if you're listening to this, uh, I do not have the ability to see the future. So uh, 
don't know anything about game number two. So <laughs> what we're going to focus on is just the holistically um, for the whole season here. And why don't we start with the forwards? Because I believe this is um, where some of their better players certainly are. Um, they have probably one of the, the better top six forward units in the league. And, you know, it remains to be seen if the bottom six can carry their weight. I'll say this, in the first game, the third line of McCann, Jankowski, Tanev were excellent. They scored two goals, uh, looked good. I don't believe they gave up a shot attempt until the third period. No complaints from me on that. Um, the only question is, is it sustainable? And I don't mean not giving up a shot attempt until the third period. <laughs> I mean, can they be effective? Can they add offense? Nobody on that line has a history of consistent pro- offensive production. Um, even McCann, who I would say is the most gifted one. Tanev has a minimal offensive presence. Jankowski can score goals. He has a about a 14 percentage shooting percentage throughout his career. But he only took 38 shots last year. So even if your shooting percentage is um, towards 20, if you're only shooting it 38 times, um, it's not really going to do much. I wonder, I wonder if that's emblematic of the way he's been deployed in the sense of he's probably going to get into more scoring positions with the way this team plays. He still needs to actually take the shot, though. You can't afford to not get the shot on net. Yes, correct. And I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know how he was deployed in Calgary. I'm not, <laughs> not going to. I mean, I could look it up and get a good idea. but. Oh, come on, you're not across it? Episode one? Come on. Yeah. I didn't, didn't quite get uh, that far down in the notes. So... Um, <laughs> Why don't we start with line number one? With um, we got Sidney Crosby, we got Jake Ensel. Both of those uh, players seem to be pretty good. They have a long, well, when I say a long history of working with one another, you know, the the entire extent of Gensel's career has been alongside Crosby. <clears throat> but the wild card is going to be Kasperi Kapanen, who has not played a game yet. Uh, he had some. Visa issues, which led to him needing uh, his delay into the country. Now he's on quarantine, so he hasn't played yet. Evan Rodriguez is up there. Um, he, he's not going to stay there, so I'm not going to pretend. We're not going to analyze the line as if he's on it. So I guess we know what we have in Crosby and Gensel. We've seen it over and over again. They're really great with one another. What are your thoughts on... Kasperi Kapanen heading into the year? It's a big gamble, really. I mean, it's the thing with bringing him in. You've got no idea what he could or couldn't be. Could click with Crosby and and Ginsel and they go gangbusters for 56 games plus a playoff run. He could tank with those guys and he ends up in the doghouse before they decide, well, let's try him with Malkin and he absolutely goes gangbusters with Gino. Or not? I mean, it, it's it's such a, a raffle. This this team this year, you've got like three things I reckon you can count on: Malkin, Crosby, and Latang. And the team goes as those three go. 
and, and that's just the cold hard reality of it. If any of those three go down for any extended period of time, the season's in the can. And you sit there with it and go, I hope that, you know, Kasperi Kapanen pans out. I'd like to see this team do well before, you know, the three guys wrap it up sort of thing. And even though Kasperi Kapanen's, you know, not at the importance of Latang, Crosby and Malkin, he's just as important as them because he's got to fit and he's got to produce. He's, um, the right wing depth is not strong. You basically have Brian Rust, who's coming off like a 17% shooting percentage last year that's got a lot of Regression, people. regression, regression, regression. No, I'm not here to say he's going to play bad this year. That's not what I'm saying. But to think that he's a 17% guy and that you're going to get that production again, I think it's wishful thinking. He's your best right wing player. You're expecting a drop off from him. To your point, you really need... Kasperi Kapanen to fill a top six role. Furthermore, you spent the 15th overall pick to acquire him in what was one of the best buyer's market for an offseason I can remember, and the Penguins shot all of their bullets before the market even developed. They panicked. Because they traded Andreas Johansson Johansson, for way less to uh, the Devils because they wanted to cut salary cap for the same reason they moved Kapanen. And um, I don't think either player is... I think they're both the same tier kind of player. So Yeah. It's just... It's one of those things where you think back to when this team started to be built, right? Crosby, Malkin, Stahl... Latang, Gonchar. So if you have a look at how old they were, Malkin and, and Crosby could do what Dreisaitl and McDavid do. Carry a poor roster because they can play 22 minutes a night and they'll get you one and a half to two points a game. But they, they were capable of doing that. As you get over the crest of players' peaks... They because are closer of their to a decade past that peak than they are. Yes, and that's and that's kind of kind of the point where I was sort of tracking to is you're now asking those same players who are you know unbelievably talented, but they just don't have the physical skill sets anymore to to carry a thinning out roster, and it's it's a function of it's a function of the salary cap here and all sort of stuff. So you are handcuffed by the constraints of the way the league is set up. But to expect them to be able to... It's a shortened 56-game season. You go, great. So they're, they're playing 20, 20 less games. Perfect. But they're doing them in like 100 days. It's day on, day off. And that's going to be tough for a guy like Malkin, Latang in particular, even for Crosby, who is you know ridiculously fine-tuned and thankfully doesn't get injured all that often. That That's where I get worried with the forward group, is that there isn't there isn't that next guy up scenario that you used to be able to have when this team was, was firing really, really well. Not even close to a next person up as far as centers are concerned. No. I mean, at least with Stahl, you could move him up to be your second line center. And yes, the offensive production was screwed, but the puck possession was fine. But even Benino had some ability to, to do nice things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, 
Yeah, it's a big drop-off between the top two lines and the bottom two lines across all the forward positions. And it's, it's, it's just a function of a team that's had sustained success over a long period of time. And I think a GM that doesn't value the right stuff in players past the bottom two lines. You know, he tends to lean towards heart, grit, all those sorts of things, rather than how do we go about making sure we maintain the puck Except for that one off season where he did, and they were the best team in the league by far. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. Like that's the that's the the thumb that sticks out. You know what I mean? It's the thing that goes against the grain with everything he's done everywhere he's been a GM. And you know the media doesn't get on him that much because they love the fact that he's crazy. You know he he, he speaks his mind to them, which is great for a quote and. Always stuff's going on in Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's active, active trader. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it is it is great for the media. It's not great if you're a fan that likes to watch a particular style of hockey and wants to see the best players in the world play to the best of their ability because, you know, there is such a thing as anchors. Just ask the New York Rangers. Um <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Um, So, yeah, so that's sort of my overall blending of of what the forwards are like. It's it's a team split into two, and they just pray for a healthy season, which has been the case for, you know, the last three or four years, don't get me wrong, but it just sticks out more this year. Yeah, and what I'll add to um, the Kapanen stuff, very fast player. So speed, not an issue. Um, of course, uh, speed is a, a great asset in the modern game. Uh, it's not the only asset and you er, or attribute that a player has to have. You, you have to mix it in with skill and other things. So um, what I'll say is Kapanen clearly has some skill, but everything that I've uh, read and noticed about his Toronto sample is he has tunnel vision. And he's he's he does not see the ice all that well. So he'll he's 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 straight up and down north south kind of guy, lacking a lot of the east west. And when you're playing with someone like Sidney Crosby and especially Jake Gensel is very gifted in his spatial awareness and where to go and how to create time and space out of nowhere. I think that's probably Gensel's best attribute is he's just a clever dude who understands how to manipulate and find open areas. But if you got a winger that's not really in tune with that and, and it's really lacking, which from you know everything I've gathered it is, how long is that going to last before it pisses off someone like Sid? Sid's pretty particular. Sid usually gets oh, the no. player he wants. It worked, it worked with Dupuy. It's exactly the way Dupuy played. He was not an east-west thinker. He was literally straight up and down and did... Yeah, and this is the but, thing, though. He did all the hard little work stuff. Because for me, Gensel is like a, a more highly skilled Kunitz, right? Kunitz was exactly that when he played next to Sid. Really good at finding time and space. Really good at slowing the game down so Crosby could do what he needed to do. Really good at getting in the way. And that's, that's Gensel is brilliant at putting on, oh, not actually interfering screens. Like, Gensel is brilliant with that kind of stuff. And I sit there and I go, if Kapanen can just get up and down the ice and extend the width of the D because he's he has to because he's in a scoring position, 
Mm-hmm. That might be all mm-hmm. those two need. Because you're right, usually you want somebody that can at least think east and west, but Dupuy worked. He didn't produce yes, much, did. but the other two did. The other two did. Well, I was looking through some former years of Dupuy, and he did produce. He was actually really good. And I've heard this comparison made. I personally think Dupuy is a way better player than Kapanen. Um, even though I see the line you're drawing and I agree with it, I just don't think, um, while Gensel's probably a better version of Kunitz, uh, albeit less physical. Actually, I don't oh, know. Yeah, I don't want course. to dog Kunitz. Kunitz was pretty great for a long time. But, he, um, he was, but he was I do physical. not feel the same way about Kapanen and Dupuy. Oh, fair enough. And Dupuy... Had a little, and I know we just you you just kind of made fun of the well maybe not made fun of but you brought up like the grit stuff. <clears throat> I think I think Dupuy was a little bit more hard nosed than Kapanen will ever be. Oh, substantially, Dupuy was willing to do the other stuff. Dupuy was willing to be first guy in on the forecheck every time. He was willing to get there and be third third forward high. Pretty he heavy shot for a smaller those. dude too. Yeah, he he did he did and. and you know, Kapanen has some of those, some of that offensive skill set that if he decides to put the work in on the other areas, that's why I think he could work. But he has to be willing to do that. You know, well, we'll he see. has to be willing. He has to be willing to get there and and cop the criticism of a season in fifty-ish games that he plays that he only gets twenty-five points. Well, not even that. He might only get twenty points. However, the other two on his line have had a point per game season, and their possession numbers are nuts. Yeah, that that's that's one of those things where if he gets there and has a season like that, where that line absolutely goes nuts, and he doesn't have many points, he needs the coaching staff around him to make sure that he knows that he is a key factor in that. And you know, I I'm not much to you know harp on the off-ice stuff, but he did get healthy scratch for being late to practices in February of last season, so um, there might be a, at least there was maybe a maturity thing going on there, and maybe, you know, it played into why they wanted to move him, other than his uh, three point, I think two million dollar cap hit. Oh, cap hit. Look at that. (laughs) Mm. Um, He, um, He's going to have to work in some capacity. I think if Sid gets sick of him, there's an easy thing that he's going to do. He's going to take rest again because yeah, correct. that's and just Gino what gets, happens. Yeah, correct. But, that, but that's the thing. Like Everything I've asked that he needs to be able to do there, looking at everything you hear coming out of Toronto and all that kind of stuff, it's not a, they're not great odds. You know, it's not it's like not he didn't great... play with good players. He played with like Kadri and Tavares and... His yeah. centers. He he was not. It wasn't a situation where like Jeff Skinner in Buffalo is playing with Curtis fucking Lazar and uh, <laughs> gosh, I I don't even know who the hell the other winger is on. He's playing on the fourth line or some shit. Yeah, and, it's not it's not great. But um, you know, the other right wing players, Evan Rodriguez, Sam Lafferty. That I mean, that's what we're talking about here. That's not good. Dare I say even Brandon Tanev. Like, that's not what you want. No. And yeah, they're just they're thin in some areas that's going to hurt. And it's, it's another one of those seasons where it's relying on everybody 
to have career years that you just you can't expect it. And let's say Sid gets sick of capping and takes rust. I'll be damned if Sid ain't taking Zucker along for that ride and giving Gensel back to Malkin, because you can't you can't screw him over that bad. Well, you can if you want to trade him at the end of the season. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Episode one, and I'm already on it. Stop Episode that. one, and I'm already on it. I'm not on that. I, I don't want to hear it. I, no, I, I don't want it. I, I am just saying. It's like, if, there, if there's ever been a superstar that has got screwed over more in Pittsburgh's history, it would be Malkin. I can't think of anybody that, you know... I know that he's second fiddle to Sid, and I know that Jaeger was second fiddle to... Mario, but they tried to look after Jagar as much as yeah. They, they put him with Mario, although he, I mean, Correct. it's easier because he's he, he played wing, but yeah. Yes, I understand that, but it's just yeah. I just sit there and I go. But even Ron Francis found his way onto their line, even though he's one of the best centers who ever played. Yeah, I know that was okay. terrifying. That was a good line, I guess. <laughs> Probably <laughs> the best line that ever got put together. But uh, so you got the second line. You got Zucker with in Rust with Malkin. Everybody uh, that was at training camp, and mind you, I have my thoughts on drawing conclusions from training camps, especially ones that are uh, after like ten months and are only like a week and a half long. Uh, everybody <laughs> said great things about that line. Didn't look great in game one, but again, I'm not using a one game sample either. Um, logically speaking, Jason Zucker's a good fit. Malkin's Malkin, and, and Rust was great with Malkin last year. So um, that line should be good. No problems there. No wild cards like the Kapanen thing. Um, I don't I don't really have anything unique to say there. Do you? No. No, no, no. It's, yeah. It's one of those things, after saying that Malcolm gets gets uh, passed over all the time, it's almost like there's nothing extra to say there. No, he, he's, got a good, he's got a good thing right now. This is probably one of his better talent on on both sides that he's had since maybe, um, forgive me if I'm missing a line in between, but Neil and Kunitz played with him. Yeah, the thing, the thing with, with Gino is health. You hope that with all the time off that he's had between his last game and coming back now, is that he's healthy, in that he doesn't have joints that are busted, he, he he doesn't have you know muscles that he's trying to sort of just coast through on until they get good, um, and that he can sort of get out of the gate well, so he doesn't get too harsh on himself, and you know he can have a positive year. Because he's so much fun to watch. And, you know, he's 34. The aging curves are not equal for everybody. They're certainly not equal for Malkin, who was amazing last year at 33. I don't see him dropping off a cliff. There's no reason to believe he will. But each passing year, you're going to have a small chip away at the greatness. So we'll see if that happens. decrease. since you brought up his health... I'm going to jump to one of the listener questions um, because one of them has to do with Malkin's health and the other has to do with over-under goals by Rust. And since they're on the same line, I thought we would go there. So Marty, McNulty for Prez. Um, Over-under Malkin games missed, 9.5. 
I say under. I think. God damn, I'm saying under because if it's over, shit. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think there's a little bit of hope and pray in that because because if he misses ten games, it's like this team's a fifth of the toast. season. Well, but the thing on top of that though is that this division you got to get in the top four. It's a division that's got like... Yeah, you're playing all the, the classic hits with all the rivalries, and you add Buffalo and uh, Boston. Yeah, so it's not it's not a division that you can kind of afford to get injured unless other teams around the league get it, which is you know, likely to happen in the division, but you can't, kind of can't afford to have it happen. Not, so, not yeah, if, he, if, he's, if he's over, they're toast. I'm taking the under for my sanity. Correct. <laughs> One, you know, I'm not really too tied into, like, I don't need the Penguins to win the Cup t- for me to enjoy watching them play. But if you're going to take, like, my favorite player <laughs> away from watching him play, yeah, I'm going to take the under on that. Absolutely. So what about the, what about the goals? So over under on goals scored by Brian Rust, 19.5. Um, let's see. I don't have a calculator. My fa- my fandom says I want the over, but I think the under's more likely because if you look at 20, 20 into 56, you're pushing pretty close to, to what every other game. You'd be pushing close to what he he was near last year. And we're expecting a shooting percentage regression. So unless he suddenly turns into Ovechkin, well, what well, he's shooting everywhere. To play devil's advocate here, because I'm probably taking the under. His role on this team is pretty strong. There's zero percent chance he plays in the bottom six, whereas that well, used, whereas about, that used yeah. to be a thing. But additionally, and I think a lot of people, including myself, did kind of overlooked a little bit. He led the team in power play goals last year. They don't have any good right-handed forwards. Ah, that's where it's going to... Okay. So he's going to play on the power play. He's going to get looks. He might not need to shoot 17% to get there. But is he shooting 10 or is he shooting like 13, 14? He needs... The, the the thing with that is that's great for his personal production, but this team needs 5v5 scoring. And I'd prefer him to get his goals, to get over the 19.5, 5 on 5. <laughs> well, I, I agree, but the question, I don't... The question was not that. I fully understand. Um, I actually hadn't thought of that fact that he's going to get that many power play minutes. Because um, oh, Hornquist is gone. He's not, he's not there to... Mm. To be uh, take the right-handed. Screw minutes. it. I'll I'll take the over purely because if he's under with power play minutes, that's not good for the team. As in, for them to actually score enough goals to win games. All right, I'm still taking the under though. Oh, and, and yes, that's probably fair enough. <laughs> so um, there's uh, another. Uh, Marty Marty got a few questions in here. Uh, any chance? Rutherford gets canned if, when the team falters and fails to make the playoffs. Okay, we got a real optimism uh, look for the season here. 
Uh, uh, there was an if. There was an if there. Yes. <laughs> if team falters and fails to make the playoffs because they have no scoring depth and he signed mediocre D in free agency again. Um, well, I say no. I think they love him. And when they stop loving him, he will not get fired. He will get promoted. I say yes, dependent upon the reasons that they lose. So say their bottom pairing is a complete tire fire for the year and it's worse than Schultz and Johnson. Mm. Say their bottom... That would be hard say their to bottoms, do. Yeah. Okay, so say that's the case. Or at... Or at or they're as good as good as meaning they're not worse, but they're the same level because they're paying more for it, right? So say say that's a wash, but they're paying more for it, and the bottom and the bottom six are an absolute tire fire and can get no offensive production out of them. They're the things that he he said he'd go out and fix, and he hasn't. And you're right, he won't get fired. They'll just move him somewhere else. Yeah, missing the playoffs would be a real not great thing considering they don't have their first round pick for next year either. Or or, no. or this year, whatever however you want to frame it. Because that's going to Minnesota for Zucker. All, all the years blend all the years blend now, man. So I've no idea what is what. So, you know, it wouldn't be great. It'd be a really bad look. Um I'm not ready to make that prediction, but uh I don't think he would be fired personally, but, you know, stranger things have happened. So now we, we move our way. We went through the, the good part of the forwards. <laughs> or or I, what I should say is what, what we are comfortable saying for success. And now we move to the bottom six where we do have some question marks. Mark Jankowski signed one year, 700 thou. Jared McCann moves down to the third line, left wing. And then the right wing depth, that's why we talked so much about Kapanen needing to work. We're talking about Evan Rodriguez, Brandon Tanev, and Sam Lafferty as your right wing options, two out of those three. Um, Although I'm sure Tanev could play on the left-hand side if you needed to. And, you know, there's just not a lot there. Uh, Tanev is probably, he's got great speed. Not super gifted offensively. The underlying numbers do, do not are not kind to him there. Even though he had a wonderful goal the other night, snap that thing high glove. Looked like he's done it a million times. Um, I think it would be. Which then makes you. Then that makes you wonder why doesn't it happen more often? Like when you see that, it's just it's weird. Uh, the angle Hart took on that though was complete rubbish. You could have drove, driven a Mack truck through the side of the net <laughs> left open there. But kudos to Hello, Tanev. He yeah. put it right where he needed to, and no doubt about it. But, you know, even though they played great the first game, like I don't, I'm not ready to like anoint them as a great third line. Um, we, the team will get Zach Aston-Reese back, and you could hypothetically put Tanev, Aston-Reese, and Bluger back in that. Uh, defensive fourth line, but like, I'm not enamored with defensive lines to be honest. And if Tanev is the best option for the third line to get some offense, 
you got to break that fourth line up, even when they're all healthy, to drive something consistently. So it's nice that that first game happened. Let's see where it goes. And if it's a thing, that's great. They got, you know, they got a little lucky, in in my opinion, if if it does become um, a successful line. But if it's not, I don't know where you go. I suppose that one of the things that I would want out of my fourth line is just a winning possession and a winning high-danger scoring chances. Or break-even. I mean, that's fine. Right? Too. That's what you want That's what you want from your fourth line. But from your third line, you obviously want to win possession, but you need production. Like, it's not just about winning the high-danger chance fight. It's about actually scoring as well. Eventually like somebody has third, to score a goal. Yeah, so if that third line can't actually... Like, say they have a great year in regards to, to shots on net and high-danger chances, brilliant. But if no one could put the puck in the net, it all amounts to nothing. Like, at some point, you need some return on investment on those shots. So they need they, they have to pray that somebody in on that line has a Brian Rust-like shooting percentage for the year. That's all. They just need somebody to sort of jump out of nowhere that shoots better than they have the rest of the rest of their career. I mean, I suppose Jankowski has a, a high-quality shooting percentage for his career. He just He's needs take some more shot shots. Uh, we need to up his volume. So we'll see where, where it goes from there. McCann certainly has some hands and can feed him the puck, and that's exactly what happened on the first goal of the year. Uh, that's what they're going to have to bank on. The fourth line, you know, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not... Break even, like you said. You just, you just want to break even. You, you, what you don't want to do is get absolutely crushed. Correct, and and even if you lose some of those battles, you're not talking about huge minutes, stuff like that. I suppose to your point, can you break even and just take all the defensive assignments? And that's kind of what the fourth line did last year. I think so. So. I mean, that's that's what you're hoping for because you've got to try... You, you, I hate saying it this way. It's not probably the right way to word it. Because you've got to nurse Crosby and Malkin through defensive zone face-offs, right? You don't want them... You want them taking more offensive or neutral zone. Especially Gino. Right? Okay. So so you need you need the, the third line and the fourth line. We need the fourth line to at a minimum break even because if you can't play them in the defensive zone... You have to oh, start yeah. in the offensive zone, yeah, that's not good. and then, yeah, and then you're in a situation where you're losing a Malcolm and Crosby shift from the offensive zone. So, it, it, it's one of those it's, it's one of those things that you do get a little concerned with at times. It's where it can fall apart Sullivan. really quick. Yeah, because uh, Sid and Gino are already the roster is kind of structured like the 2013-14 top heavy. Ray Shero Penguins, when yeah. the difference being that is like six, seven years ago now, and Sid and Gino were six or seven years younger. Well, they were in the uh, they were in the middle of what we used to consider the traditional prime years of their life, even though they'd already passed the uh, scoring peak of their careers. Yeah, so it's a lot, and. I agree with you. They're going to have to be competent to take the D-zone face-offs, and we'll see. Um, 
at least when Aston Reese comes back, they they do have a line that they knew did it last year. But that leaves Evan Rodriguez or Sam Lafferty on the third line, and it's like we know who those players are. That's not... so. The other thing with the defensive zone faceoffs is this is where I suppose we might transition into the defenseman. Yep. If you're if you're playing your fourth line in the defensive zone, you almost have to have Latang and Dumoulin out there with them. Um. Well, there's another pair you could. Yeah, you, you know where I'm going, though. It's like you've got to get that puck out of that zone ASAP. And I know Marino has has shown a skill set to do it. Well, he, I he just get his worried defensive about how numbers gonna... were among the best in the league last year. Now, yes. of course, rookie year. Now it's a second year. We'll see if he follows up with it. Um, we know what we're getting out of Latang and Dumoulin. Uh, I don't even... I, that's the problem with like Latang. He's so great. Uh, he's still by far their best defenseman, in my opinion. I know the Marino oh, yeah. hype train is pretty powerful train, but you know he doesn't have the offensive ability Latang does, or the skating, or any of it. And Latang can still do it. So I don't think we need to elaborate on that pairing. That's one of the most established defensive yeah. pairings in the league. It's been among the top tier for a while now. Um, but I'll say this, the first game of the year, Marcus Pedersen was not with Marino, and it did not go well for anybody, really. This is this is what I'm worried about. But it's back is, for tonight. They, they yeah, switched so, it back. Because it would be great if you had a Gonchar to Latang handover, and then a Latang to Marino handover, in the sense that you went from, you know... And all like I think Gonchar is an all-time great defenseman. I think Latang is as well. Um, it would be great if Marino could jump into that Latang seat and be exactly like Latang. But shouldn't have traded awfully... Pouliot. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that. Um, yeah. So the who's the, who is their defensive coach this year? Who's Todd who's running the? Right. Okay. Who, who used to work with them before? So, yeah. or I'm sorry, at least really, Latang. I, I really feel like they've brought him in. If this goes pear shaped, he's the next head coach. Anyway, they could. Um, so yeah, they 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 can't f around with them. They've just got to play their top four. Thank you. Stack. Yep, that is exactly the point I was going to make because you don't have time to figure this out in a short season. You're playing <laughs> in one division. Every game is a divisional game. So the points are like, it's not like, oh, I'm on the West Coast. If I get an overtime, we'll share points. But they're not gaining on me because they're not in my division. It doesn't matter. They're not even in our conference. But every game is a division game. It's a 56-game season. You get off to a slow start, you're up against it no matter how good your team is. You have two known commodities that are good. Latang Dumoulin, Marino Pedersen. Ride it. Shelter the third pairing. They didn't do that in the first game. They put Mike Matheson. There it is. First time mentioned on the podcast this year. And we've done all right. That's taken a long time to be mentioned. Mike Matheson with John Marino did not work. And it's not John Marino's fault. It was Mike Matheson's fault, who was on the ice for three out of the four first goals of the game. And for the fourth one, he was in the penalty box. 
Jesus. Not a good debut. And we saw all the things that you heard about why people outside of Pittsburgh laughed at the Penguins for trading for him. So, I just realized how long his contract is. Oh yeah, he's that's un, that is untradeable. He's with he's yeah yeah that's uh, that might be part of the criticism of that trade. That's the Seattle bailout out, please, with a first round draft pick. Jesus, if they have one, that too. Oh good God! Um, I I so I think Mike Madison is actually signed for as long as Crosby. So it. When Crosby's last year on the team, it's him, Marino, Matheson, and I think Tanev. Yeah, Tanev. <laughs> Good luck, Sid. Oh, fuck me. So um, the the Matheson oh. debut was terrible. I do I think he's going to be that bad every game? No, no, I don't. I'm not going to be that mean. He's he is not Jack Johnson. Okay, <laughs> but. He's making four and a half mil. He's signed for, as you laughed, forever. If he's if he sucks, you're stuck. And quite, fr- I'll tell you what. Back to um, Marty's question from earlier. Maybe, maybe I should revisit that question because if Mike Matheson's a complete tire fire, and they don't make the playoffs, and he's an unmovable contract. That's like back to back shit. Like Jack Johnson to yeah. Mike Matheson, yep. kind of thing. It's, 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 it's why I said if it depends on how it's a tire fire. Like if that if that bottom pairing is is a complete shit show and Matheson gets scratched for ten games or something like that due to the fact that he's terrible, and you end up with with Rickler and, and Ruedel playing in that bottom six and playing better. Well, Ruido uh, is playing tonight. They're benching Cody Cece. So I am encouraged that... And Cece didn't have a great debut. He he was in the box and the Flyers scored, but um, he's on a one-year contract. So at the very least, I'm encouraged they are willing to sit a player like him down, whereas with Jack Johnson, we saw that it just never happened no matter how bad he was. But part of that, I think, is the contract, the term. So Mike Matheson being scratched? I don't know, man. He's signed for like 100 years. I doubt they scratch him. But at the very so least... And that's the problem. I know. But at the very least, they're willing to scratch somebody like Cody Cece and bring Roweedle up. And listen, just shelter the bottom pairing regardless of who it is and lean on the top four that is pretty decent. Latang has proven that he can play... 28 minutes a night. Athletic, athletic freak. Just a complete freak. Yeah, right. So so he can do that. Dumoulin can handle that as well, right? So they can play those minutes. You just, you need to get, you, you need to get like 22 to 25 minutes out of your other pair and sprinkle the other, sprinkle the third pairing in there wherever you kind of have to. You know, this this is one of those seasons where you look at it and go, oh, is this the last roll of the dice with this crew? Uh, I'm not there yet because, you know, you can always move a few things around, but they are very limited in what they can move around. There's no tradable assets. Like you said, the Matheson thing needs to work. 
And that's I, that's just, and I think they put yeah. him with Marino to see if it could work. So they could maybe trade Pedersen. Although Pedersen makes four mil, he's not exactly a sexy player. He's fine. No, but, but he's what a, are you going to get? He's effective. Back? He's effective in, and he's twenty four, right? Yeah, but what are you getting so, back for him? That, that, that's no, no. That's my point. I would prefer to keep Pedersen. Because at the age of 24, there is still a tiny little bit of a window for growth as a player. But my point like, is, who else are what, you trading to improve to get more scoring? Oh, you can't. No, no, you literally can't. Like, they, they are they are hamstrung, handcuffed, hogtied. The best they could do is something like that and attach Sam Poulin or Nate Laguerre and, you know... I, I don't care if they treat either of those two guys. I know some people will think that's blasphemy, but like they're not that <laughs> close to being impact players on this team. Sam Poulin, who everybody uh, not everybody, I'm sorry, I don't not everybody. But how many people were penciling him into the third line? He couldn't make the World Junior Canada team, and I'm not knocking him because of that, because that was a really great lineup. But if you're going to pencil him in onto something like that to be a third liner on a which you know who who has intentions of being a cup contender Stanley Cup yeah and he can't make the World Junior team like yeah man he's not really as close as you think and Nate Laguerre is even further away so trading like Jim Rutherford has shrunk the window. And Sam Poulin and Nate Laguerre aren't walking through that door saving the window, in my estimation. So if you got to package them in a trade, adios. I have no reservations about that. Maybe they go on to be good NHL players. It ain't going to happen when they need it. No. Or at least the likelihood. Yeah. I'm not willing to make that gamble. So you're left with, like... Hoping Matheson can take Pedersen's spot, even though he probably can't. But Pedersen's like the only. Uh, maybe Jared McCann has a little bit of value somewhere, but you're not getting any game-breaking things. You don't have a first-round pick to package it with anymore. It's a. I mean, Rutherford's done a shit job. I don't know how else to put it. We sh- the P- the Pittsburgh Penguins should not be in the situation that they're in right now, and it's just complete buffoonery. Because there, there's been no plan. It's just been gut feelings and trading guys a year after they he acquired them, and he burned through all the futures and all the prospects. They're the 29th ranked prospect um, uh, team in the NHL, according to um, either Chris Peters of ESPN or Scott Wheeler of The Athletic. I'm sorry that I don't remember which one, but I'm sure both of them have the Penguins in that neck of the woods. So Rutherford burned through all the assets he acquired. Um, you know, he, he had it on easy street when he got the gig. And anytime he screwed up, he would just move on from it. But each time you do that, now you have less and less. And now we're at the end of that where there's not much in the cupboard anymore. You're kind of almost dealing with what this team is. And that's assuming... Tristan Jari is a league average goaltender, which we don't know. It is the risk trading away. I was I was ready to move on from Murray. Um, I think he needed to move on 
as well. Just yeah, no many, problem with any of it. Yeah, but too many bad things floating around in that but, poor but man's head. But our entire podcast related. up to this point is under the assumption that Jari is not going to be a bad starter. Because if no, he's a bad starter, said, any, everything we talked about for I don't well, even know how long, cool. we, we it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. irrelevant. Um, it's it is interesting in that. You don't, you can't bank a goalie on one game. No, no, I'm but not even talking about that. No, no, I, what I mean, though, is that last year when he came out of the gate, he was good from the start, right? Till he got announced for the All-Star game, and then he tailed off. So his overall yeah. numbers are great, and he was superb. But they did tail off, and he did lose his starting job. I mean, so that might not be, be his fault. That might have just been a dumb decision. Now, the, the other thing is, he would be like a plethora of goalies that are in this league. There aren't 31 above-average starting goaltenders in the NHL. And I know that sounds stupid, because theoretically there should be, because there's got to be a, a cut-off line for average. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there are teams that do not have a starting goalie that you would rely on. So... Pittsburgh are technically in that same boat. They've got a guy they think might be an average to slightly above average goalie, which is all this team is kind of asking for, but they don't know that. And DeSmith did okay in a backup role a few years ago, but he he wasn't in the NHL last year. I mean, Jerry technically jumped the queue, right? So that's great. But he has to make sure that he doesn't falter back to somebody that had, up to that point, he, been a career AHL goal. He gives me some flurry vibes, I'm not going to lie. I know they do. Although, he can handle the puck like a champ where, you know, flurry let's is not, not a strength. Let's, let's not go there with that. Um, yeah, so... it's. You could say, what we just said about the goalies is almost the same thing you can say about any NHL team. Their starter goes down or has a bizarre year. No, anytime your goal goaltending tanks, no matter what the situation, you're you're cooked. But the Penguins are really um, put themselves out there with Jari if it doesn't yes. work because there's no real, you know, fallback there. Oh, I mean, well, that's the thing for freaking Washington. Not their fault, but yeah, with Lundqvist, I did not yeah, think like um, that's so sad. Samsonov, I forget how Rick Jenneret pronounced it. It's not Samsonov, that's for sure. It kept every time Jenneret said his name, I was like, that, oh, okay." Anyways, <laughs> um, Samsonov. But he looked like it's, shit. It's not the usual. He looked it's not the like usual shit. And I know it's only one game, but I mean his his footwork and his just being able to see through traffic. And mind you, Jari had problems seeing through traffic, but Mike Matheson was right in front of him screening, so that was a little different. Yeah. Um, he does. He last year, I I thought it was the right call though. I, I really thought he was ready to take the next step. Oh, and he might be. And I'm just judging him. it on the, yeah. the one game. No, 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 no. Exactly right. Like, you, you get there and go, you, you trust you, you trust that thought if you're the management. 
and we'll just bring in one of the greatest goaltenders of all time to back him up as he's tailing off. Great his plan. That's great gone plan. Now. <laughs> that's just that's so unfair. Yeah, it sucks. I uh, King King Henrik had to have surgery for for the heart condition. So I I wish him well. He's a complete yeah, absolute correct. legend of the game. Best goaltender of his generation. He's better than Marty Broder. I don't want to hear the dog shit about goalie wins. Boom. Yeah, <laughs> you won't hear me argue that. So, you know, best wishes to Lundqvist. I hope his health first and foremost. But you're right; it really took some sting from what what the Capitals were trying to do with their goaltending situation. Because I thought they handled that quite well, letting Holtby go, bring in the veteran. Uh, but the Penguins couldn't bring in anybody because they were out of money before the buyer's market even started. Yeah, so. As, as I think we always say in episode one, it'd be an interesting season here in Pittsburgh, even though leading up to this, when we were talking about this, there's not a lot to talk about in regards to roster changes. Yeah, like that's it, the it, hardest it, part it, of covering kind of this a... fucking team. Is, <laughs> you know, earlier when I started covering it in like 2013, it was towards the end of Shero's tenure. There were changes to be made. They had assets to do some clever things. There were things that could be done to move forward and now it's like the futures are gone the team is kind of not in it's you know it's in that stage of wet concrete where you let it go for 10 more minutes and you're kind of stuck kind of deal you're and, not getting out yeah and it's really tough to find interesting and unique things to say about the roster because there's not much that I see, other than totally fucking up and moving players you shouldn't be moving. Yeah. Um, I mean, that could always happen, but I, I don't even want to, like, suggest that. So, um, I, I guess... I suppose the thing for me, the, the thing for me is you, you're lucky enough in the sense that if the team gets on a roll because the season's so condensed, you can bank a stack load of points. The flip side of that, however, you get into a rut... And your season's gone. They lose tonight and spot and the Flyers you, four points. Like, yeah, that's I, a that, team that that's you're battling you, with. You know, for that maybe third playoff spot or something like that. If you know Boston, Washington, Philly, the Islanders, like that could be the top four. Oh, easily. So, um, you know, so we've. As you said, it's going to be an interesting season. But I think we can close on our, our other listener question. I thought it was a pretty clever question, pretty unique one. It's from Dish at Dish138. I am magically blessing you with $5 million in extra cap room and the 15th overall pick. So that was the one they traded for Caspin. <laughs> yeah. Um, or 15th overall pick in the 20. Oh, wait, I'm reading this wrong. 15th overall pick in the... Oh, no, I'm not. Is it 2021? It is. God, fucking COVID era. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the the Kapanen pick. Or the Zucker pick. Zucker pick. I think it's the Zucker. Okay. So we're getting that first rounder back with $5 million in cap space magically. So we're using magic here. What player are you targeting today, not at the deadline, via trade using primarily those two assets. So getting the cap space and that first round draft pick. 
jokingly, Pierre-Luc Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> that would that would turn the Penguins into a contender right away. That would solve a lot of bullshit. Oh. Put Pierre-Luc Dubois with uh, McCann. Goddamn bloody... How is it Tortorella does this every shot? Anyway, moving on. I haven't really had a proper hard think about this, to be honest, but you said before the podcast you have. Yeah, I have um, two options. One is a center, one is a right wing, because the uh, the right wing depth on the Penguins yeah. is not so good. My first one is going to be one of my favorite players in the league over the last, uh, gosh, 14-ish years or so, 13 years. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to look at teams that I don't think are going to make the playoffs and players that are on an expiring contract. Why? Because, you know, if, if, if I'm getting cap space and my primary asset I have to use is the first round pick, you're talking about an expiring contract to get an impact player. Yeah. Um, I thought about Taylor Hall, but the left wing depth is fine on this team, so I didn't go there. I am going to pull back the time back to when Crosby, Malkin, and Stahl were a thing, right? Three great centers. Mm -hmm. I would go after Ryan Getzlaff. Well, yeah. You'd probably have to add more than the first. Well, maybe. I don't know. It depends. Put put Nate Laguerre in there. I don't give a shit. Let's get Ryan Getzlaff into Pittsburgh. Also, not only does it fill a need for a scoring line, third line center, what about the power play? Right-handed, fucking awesome hands, awareness, passing. Like, your power play is pretty snappy now. Putting him on that side instead of Brian Russ. No offense to Brian, who led the team in power plays. No, I get what you're saying. So, Getzlaff was my first thought right away. Um, I've just always thought the world of him. Uh, saw him play in person his uh, in the playoffs when they won the Cup in Anaheim, and I was just blown away by his size and, and hands. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> like, I didn't really <laughs> know who he was. I'm like, are you shitting me? And... Um, I've always been a fan of his, and it, I've watched a lot of West Coast Duck games solely to watch him play. He's not quite the player he was, but he's still, if you're, he's going to be your third-line center, I mean, come on. Um, the other option that I thought of was Kyle Palmieri from the Devils, who also could play that power play role, play the right wing, excellent shooter. Um, I think him and McCann would be interesting on that third line um or put him up with sid or malkin and have cabin and bump down so now you got a little insurance there um but those were my two that i thought of and i know you didn't get cam cam didn't get much time to to (laughs) question got thrown on him as soon as he woke up (laughs) All right, so I, I'm going to lay this one out with that caveat, that asterisk thrown on it. I say Winnipeg season falls apart and they trade for Patrick Line. Oh, God. He's not going to sign For a first-round pick? Yep. I don't think you're getting them. You really don't think so? No. Hey? You're really, really correct. 
Correct. But it's it's one of those things where there's a couple of players out there. This isn't just Penguins related, right? There's a couple of players floating around out there this season that I don't think you would normally consider trade targets and stuff. Well, like Dubois, that. Now, obviously, first. you're not going <laughs> to. Well, yeah, but you're not going to get Patrick Lino because he's an RFA, right? So you still technically have some form of control, right? So he's not a UFA where he's he's got you know carte blanche to do what he wants. But there are going to be a couple of teams out there through the league that are going to be able to have a crack at players that traditionally you wouldn't be able to. So, you know, a guy like Line, like Dubois obviously has said, fuck you, Tortorella, I'm leaving. Um, and I know they're trying, I know that they're trying to lay this out that it's not that, but there is no way that it's, it's I just want to go to a bigger market. It's not just that. No, and he has no control yeah, over that. He's an RFA with no trade protection. So, yeah, you know, yeah. He, he's going where they they tell him. I think the Sabers should be trading for Dubois, and they should be using Jack Quinn, who they just drafted, instead of taking Marco Rossi for some fucking reason. Um, <laughs> the first round pick they have, the second round pick they have, throw in Victor Olafson or Casey Middlestat. It start there. And get no, Dubois on the fucking Sabres. And now you're cooking with a little yeah. bit of fire. Yeah. You might get Jack Eichel to say, hey, maybe I'll stick around. You might actually Is that get a Jeff Skinner to get Buffalo? a fucking center that doesn't suck. Is that a real fear in Buffalo, though? Oh, that yeah. Just gonna warm up? Yeah. I, I, if they don't make the playoffs this year, he is going to... He's already said he's sick of losing. Yeah, no, no, that's. Oh no, he will. He strikes me as the kind of guy that will assertively be like, "I'm out." No offense to the city of Buffalo, but this is bullshit. I put in my time. I was great. You fucked it up. This is. I only get one career and one prime. I'm out of here. And I don't even think Buffalo fans would be mad at him. The only. Although the Bills will take this thing off of that, they're actually a fun team again. So. Yeah, you got to be having some fun at the moment. Yeah, I thought Allen was a shitty draft pick, but, you know, hey, sucks to be wrong. I guess I'll just watch a really fun quarterback <laughs> for a long time, you know? <laughs> oh, what a devastating thing to Shit, be wrong about. Shit, man. Pull those tweets up and retweet them. <laughs> Fucking, you got me. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, Bills have been a lot of fun, even if they lose to the Ravens Saturday. Um, yeah. You know, just, I'm always... Does your team have the potential to win is all I really look for, and, and the Bills do. They, they literally have the potential to go all the way, compete with Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, will, will it happen? You know, probably not. The odds are always against uh, your team being the one at the end. Uh, trust me, I know. <laughs> they did it four years in a <laughs> row, losing the Super Bowl. And, but those were great years. Everybody's like, oh, would you throw away just to win one? And No. No, I actually would not. Those years were awesome. Boys. Travel hockey yeah. parties, family parties. They played to the Super Bowl every year. Do you know how many good memories and moments and cool, not even football-related stuff, just family and parties? And But the football was great, too, because they were a pretty progressive team back then. I don't need a championship to enjoy that shit. I feel that same way about the Penguins. In general, even though I don't feel that they're there anymore with that, so yeah, I suppose it's why you and I are keen for them to 
give Crosby, Mark, and Latang a chance to slowly fall off the high plane. Yeah, I don't need a title. Rather I than come the crashing team. down. <laughs> I ain't getting a ring. No, but the other... I just want to be entertained. How many of you and I got... We've got to watch five, man. <laughs> yeah. Like, if, if I don't see another one in a Pittsburgh jersey the rest of my life, I'm not really going to complain. No, not going, as, as long not as going we get Mario to watch, and Yager yeah. to Sid and Gino. I know there were some rough patches in the middle, but it wasn't that long. Correct. And, and that's the you're, thing. You're it's talking like we will get some... 35 years of good hockey for the most part from when Lemieux got drafted. Or at least, maybe not all 35. At least 28 years of good to watch yeah. um, stuff. So it's really, you can't complain. I don't think any Penguins fan really would, and I don't think any other fans... Uh, feel bad for <laughs> the penguin fans when this eventual run goes sour so because we'll end up with other playoff runs we'll end up with some that they fall out of that they shouldn't and some that they go further than they should and you sit there with that and go yeah i can deal with that thank you very much yep so you know that's a season preview i guess i guess the last thing we'll say do you think they make the playoffs can can I come back to you after they've played ten games? I mean, I, I assume I, I, we'll be I, recording, so I guess the answer by default is yes. Oh yeah, good point. Um, yeah, look, unless the world blows up, um, oh, I suppose I'll, I'll say yes only because I'll bank on the Islanders falling apart, even though nothing they've done suggests to me that they will. I, I, I can't see Boston, Washington, or Philly not making it. And, and that's Pittsburgh's challenge, is the fact that every the way these have all been restructured, they're very deep divisions. All four divisions are deep. Uh, not that. Can't, that Canada one's straight fucking trash. But it is going to be hella exciting. That division's going to be exciting. I hope you drafted your fantasy hockey players from that division. Going to be high-scoring games. Yeah. So when I say That's that division's argument, trash, that... I mean yeah, in, not... in a win yeah. Stanley Cup, not in a don't watch their games. So you're, you're right, you know, Canada. You're right, not great. Well, the other three divisions are not fun for anyone. But I, I would say the Penguins is the toughest one. Yeah. Like who are the who are the easy outs? If you go and play a game where you go, shit, I've got to go catch up some points, Buffalo. right? Buffalo and, and but, you couldn't really say New York, right? Buffalo, New York aren't terrible. You know, and, they're not great, but Taylor Hall, I mean, that's pretty good. And Dylan Cousins is uh, ready to step in. He looked pretty decent in his NHL debut last night. Eric Stahl's there. Uh, Jeff Skinner, for some reason, is on the fourth line. I, I just don't. They, the Buffalo's issue is going to be their goaltending and the fact that they can they are still playing Rasmus Ristolainen in a top pairing role. It's fucking bonkers. I don't understand it, and I I just it's 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 like a Jack Johnson thing. Yeah, but if I ever want to chuckle, I just need to mention Rasmus, and I love the change of tone in your voice. Well, it depends the on the Rasmus, the Rasmai, because Darlene is good. Yeah. True. That is that is true. 
Um, yeah, but the other team, I guess, would be the Rangers, but they have a lot of talent. Yeah, yeah. I just—it's not. This Unless is not a season for, for. But they canceled well, their it's, defenseman that would whine about being canceled. He's not playing. That's tonight. <laughs> that's very funny. Uh, but they got um, Panarin, Kreider, Zabinajad. Ryan Strom was good last year. Lafreniere. Lafreniere. Paco is a wild card. He might be a flop of a draft pick. We'll see. Um, he he did not have a good rookie year. Um, and I you know I poke fun at at Tony D'Angelo, but he's he's not a bad player. He gets walked sometimes, but like he's a top four defenseman. You still got Truba, but boy, oh boy, they got our boy Jack on there, and he was at a 24% expected goals in his debut. So, yeehaw, buckle up with that. I think he's been moved up. From what I read this morning, he's been moved up the lineup due to the wonderful effort put out in their first game. Yeah, because they benched D'Angelo. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, yeah, so... I'll say yes, just so the season pro- prolongs, but as you can tell everyone, I am not confident. No, I, I have them at, in the second or third place. Um, I am assuming that the big three are healthy and that Jari is an average starter. That's what I'm going on. If that's all true, I think they got enough goals in the in the season to make the playoffs. As far as being a contender, well, I'm not there, so... They just they can't have seven or eight minute flubs like they had game one. And that was a consistent theme last year before the bubble. And then although it just got awful terrible in the bubble, but th- this team doesn't have enough firepower that is in its prime to make up for those seven or eight minute flubs. Where the team just looks like trash. You're just like, this is not the team that was playing before. Mm-hmm. So they can't have many of those. Because if, if you have a run of games where everybody's just flat and they can't sustain 60 minutes of effort, all of a sudden you're eight points out of fourth place. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the nature of... That's what makes this season unique. All division games, they all matter a little bit more than they used to. And you don't have as much time to make up any issues you fall too far behind it used to be are you are if you're out of a playoff spot at thanksgiving um it might be are you out of a playoff spot valentine's day yeah which is february 14th for our non-north american folks out there were you aware of valentine's day Oh yeah, we know Valentine's okay. Day. It's just that you guys order order it incorrectly. There's no such month as the fourteenth month of the of the year. No, there's not. Oh, with the dates. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Um, but uh, you know, I guess I guess that is um, that's the season preview, and um, you know, we're gonna end this so that we can uh, have dinner or brunch. And uh, go watch the uh, second game of the season. Should be good. So Nice to have you back, Ryan. Yes. It's been a long it's, time. It has been a long time. And um, it is good back to get back and, and, and talk about the Penguins in this um, medium. Because, you know, you do a lot of writing. But it's also nice to, um, to have a chat. And um, 
it's good to be back. So we will be back, and um, we will see you next time. See you guys. <laughs>